This podcast just went from Mission Impossible to Mission Insanity. And welcome to the Zero Credit Supplemental Reading of 2011's Fast Five. My name is John. And I'm Wheelman Henry, back at the wheel, man. And uh, once again, with this, uh, if you... Really, if you thought it was a joke, you should really give up the ghost now, because at this point, we're more than 50% of the way through our exhaustive uh, analysis of every Fast and the Furious movie released since 2001 to present. And, of course, uh, the order of the day for the supplemental reading, as it always is, is we are doing this with the assumption that you've either watched or either otherwise consumed the thing we're going to talk about, or just don't care. Uh, so we're going to spoil things flippantly. This movie was released seven years ago, so it's starting to get into a zone where I kind of feel bad about spoiling things. But what are you going to do? Certainly not turn off this podcast, because if you do, you'll regret it. Yeah, I mean, if you turn off this podcast, we will be cursed by the algorithm. Exactly. And for the second disclaimer of this supplemental reading series... Every recording session, John and I will drink Corona for each Corona that we see in the film. Unfortunately, in Fast Five, there's no Corona. For what it's worth, though, we did make the promise that we were going to drink as many Coronas as there were in the films. And uh, during both Too Fast, Too Furious, which had no Corona, and Tokyo Drift, which had no Corona, we were keeping pace. And so now... There's another movie with no Corona. However, they did drink a lot of a maybe fictional beer called Brahmin? Brahma. Brahma. Yeah, they they drank a lot of Brahma and a bunch of bottles that were turned away. I don't know why there was no Corona, to be honest with you. Well, maybe there's no Corona in Colombia. Oh, it's... Brazil. They're in Brazil. Yeah, I just remembered they it, were in it, Brazil. It might be. But anyway, this episode is also brought to you by Corona. Now, I wonder what will happen if at the end of all of this, we are at a Corona surplus where we have drunk more Coronas than appear in the films. Well, that would just mean that the the makers of Fast 9, or whatever it will be called, will owe us some Coronas in the film. Okay, they'll... Uh, they'll I think we can call that favor in. Yeah, we we, we we email them or send a letter, whichever whatever gets to them and say, Hey, by the way, you owe us blank many coronas in your next film. So uh, I think before we take any drinks, as we both have done, we should, just for the sake of posterity on the podcast, a little fast cheers. Fast cheers. That was actually kind of slow. Okay, a little faster. Very oh nice. My head. Very nice. <laughs> Loud noises hurt me. I think during the process of creating this podcast, I've drunk more Corona than I have in my entire life. I for sure have, because before this podcast, I had never had a Corona. I have maybe in my life consumed a six-pack of Corona over <laughs> my 30 years of existence. And now you've done the six-packs of Corona like every other week. Yeah, it's uh, it's a lot. So there's also, speaking of a lot, a lot to talk about in this movie. I just want to start out with saying that Fast Five feels like the movie that Fast and Furious should have been. Uh, I feel like... Now this is... Uh, there, there's a lot to talk about in this movie. I think that absolutely you are right. And I think that it took them that long to find their footing. Because the thing about Fast Five is... It might be 
one of my favorite action movies I've ever seen. It, it, it's... I feel like you're right. I feel like they had, like, that awkward teenage period with Fast and Furious where they were just... They were getting back into the character, getting back into that universe. And the fact that Fast Five starts... It starts in Fast and Furious. Yeah, it starts with... It, this is the first Fast and Furious, the first film in the FQ that goes straight from the end of one movie to the beginning of the next with no downtime. Yeah, I, like the, the first few minutes of Fast Five is a recap of what happened. Like, I, I wrote a note jokingly that last time on the fuck you, this is what happened. And then it picked up. And I feel like we really have to take Fast and Furious and Fast Five into consideration of sort of like... They're kind of one long movie. Yeah, it's kind of like a Dragon Quest game. <laughs> Where there's like a part A and a part B? Yeah, so there's a part A that kind of establishes everything, and it's okay. And then there's a part B where it plays with that, and it's way better. It, and it's also about 40 hours in. <laughs> uh, on my walk today, a, a, a thought struck me that I think much in the way as Wagner's Ring Cycle... He, he had a point he wanted to get to, but he realized that the audience wouldn't get it unless he wrote a point before it. Yes. And so on until he got to, like, the full 13-hour length uh, set of operas. And so I feel like much in the way as that, uh, Chris Morgan, the writer, and Justin Lin, the, the director, they wanted to tell Fast Five, but they realized they couldn't just get into it. They had to cover some gaps. Yes. In Fast and Furious. I, uh, now, now, if we want to trace the trajectory of these movies, uh, this is how I feel it went. Is that Fast, The Fast, and The Furious. The first one. The, the first one was just kind of a mishmash kind of drama, espionage, car race... Uh, it, movie. It, it was an action drama hybrid. That, that's yeah. where we kind of landed on it. It was an action drama, and then you had Too Fast, Too Furious, which was uh, cartoon vomit. Cartoon. Yeah, I, I forget the comp- what we made there. Yeah, it's uh, it's basically like a buddy cop movie. Yeah, but it's in the vein of something like Thunder in Paradise. Yeah, just something that's it. It doesn't really have a story. It's entirely basing its appeal on its characters. And then you had Tokyo Drift, which was car half car movie, half uh, high school anime. Yes, with, once again, great characters. But through those first three movies, okay. they didn't really know what they were doing. Because they're all, like, thematically different and might as well all have completely different characters. And in the case of Tokyo Drift, it does. Yeah, it, the first three movies are kind of like an anthology. You've got, like, the introduction to the universe, then, like, the saga of Brian O'Connor... And then the introduction of Sean Boswell for no reason. Yes. And then the fourth movie would go back to Roots in this weirdly paced, seemingly not well done revitalization of the first movie. And that one was all sort of just straight on car movie. Yeah, Fast and Furious realized that the strength of these movies is the characters. They realized, Justin Lin uh, and Chris Morgan realized that the the real meat of these movies is they have a very strong cast of characters you like quite a bit. And then you got Fast Five. Where they fucking nail it. <laughs> where they take all these characters, bring back beloved characters, and they splice in a heist movie, which is like Italian chef kiss 
moi, the perfect hybrid combination. Now, there's actually a little bit of behind-the-scenes knowledge that I have about Fast Five. Uh, This is news to me. So, Fast Five was the kind of inflection point for the franchise, where uh, Justin Lin, uh, Chris Morgan, and the... God, it's Universal that makes these movies, yes. Universal is the... uh, What do they call that? Company. Yeah, so uh, Universal had a... Typically, a Fast and Furious movie will make very good money, but has a limited audience. So the directive from Universal was to make Fast Five, which, by the way, after uh, Fast and Furious came out, was signed for two more films. So they knew a Fast Five and a Fast Six would happen. Okay. See, that that explains a little bit of the plotting, like four and five ending and beginning the same way. Mm -hmm. And then the teaser at the end of the, the credits. Yeah. So, basically, Universal said, I think that these movies could get a much, much bigger audience if we took it out of the car scene. If we still respected cars and they were still part of the series, because it would be ridiculous if they weren't. But it's not a movie about street racing. We want to make it a car-centric heist movie in the vein of something like The Italian Job. And that's kind of exactly what it is to a point. Like, they have the scene, like, we need this guy, we need this type of guy... We need these people. But one flaw in the movie, it's a great sequence, and I love it. And and all of each character reveal resulted in more and more exclamation points after people's names. You can see yep. Han, Roman, Gal Gadot. Uh-huh. I didn't realize it was Tedge because of his hair, but then I realized it was Tedge. Yes. However, at the end of the day... They said they were bringing them on for certain skill sets. Yes. At the end of the day, they were all pretty much the same. Yeah, that was something that I thought was silly because they were bringing them on for different skill sets. I'm like, we need a chameleon. And they brought on Han. I'm like, I don't know if I've ever seen Han be a very good chameleon. And they're like, we need a tech guy. So they bring in Tedge. Tedge, who we know has two skills... One is organizing illegal street races, and two is running a garage poorly. <laughs> so at really no point... We need a fast talker, and they bring in Roman. And I'm like, Roman's more of the wild card crazy guy. Yeah. We need a fast talker. Like someone who, when you're riding with a deep cover federal agent, will pull a gun from under his seat and try to kill his commander. And then I think the most ludicrous one is like, we need like a weapons person. And then it's Gal Gadot who, in the only movie we saw her in, never handled a weapon. In, in no way handles a weapon. And I feel like they, they like backload her character by being like, ah, oh, she was in Mossad, uh, which is later <laughs> after that, which is silly. Uh, but I... I had minimal criticisms of that, and I had maximum praise for the fact that Henry, at at the end of multiple ones of these episodes, we have been saying, who do we want to come back? What do we want to happen? Henry, it all happened. I know, and, and I, I have to, on air, apologize to you, John, because so many things happened that I swore would not happen. W- number one, with a bullet... Han came back. Han came back. And even though they knew they were going to do more of these movies, the way that they left his character in in Fast and Furious... Made it seem like he was going to Tokyo to die. Exactly. 
And so it's not my fault, but I still apologize for it because Han came back number two. Mm -hmm. Roman came back. Roman came back. Now, one thing about Roman coming back is he was more even keeled in this movie than he was in Too Fast, Too Furious. In Too Fast, Too Furious, I feel like everything about him was entirely improvised and didn't make sense and I loved it. In this one, he's just kind of a wisecracker. I feel like when Tyrese gained back the Gibbons... (laughs) He kind of, like, level-headed a little bit. Or maybe this is just time passing. We have a a Roman that's probably done very well for himself, given that... Yeah, he's not hungry anymore. He's not hungry anymore, and his pockets ain't empty, cuz... Yeah. (laughs) I want to quote that in every every single episode we do. So maybe, like, he settled down just a little bit, and he's not as crazy and off off center. Yeah. Number three apology. Mm-hmm. And I never in my wildest dreams thought this would happen. I thought I thought Tej was just a street race organizer with a like with, with the ultimate power of being able to arrange any race. You you have to understand when Tej came back. I mean, when when all of the other characters were introduced, I was like, sure, sure, fine, fine. I'm really excited. All these mate. When Tedge came back, that was a fucking hail mary that I never expected would happen. Yes. I was like, oh, too fast, too fierce. It's funny that Ludacris is in this. All right, I'm gonna joke that I want Tedge to come back. I do, but when he came back, I was like, holy shit. They mean it. <laughs> They're like any character who people kind of like, put them in here. Like, like Tej coming back, in my opinion, is akin to Bow Wow being in another one of these movies. Tokyo Drift 2. That's not a name for one of the <laughs> movies coming up, I hope. Hopefully not. Because, honest, I like, like, it made me genuinely happy to see these characters again. Yeah, I I think that we are, and we can talk about this a little bit more later, I feel like we are uh, in, and this is a place that can be a bad place to be in, but fuck it, I enjoyed this movie. We are in intertextuality zone, where characters coming back is... Characters coming back, even though they have no reason to be in the plot, like, floods our brains with endorphins, because we're just happy to see these people again. And it's, it's like, peak Marvel movie shit. But I love it. <laughs> it's pretty great. And, like, they aren't done a disservice. They're not, like, hand-waved away. Character development happens. Like, Han and, and Gal Gadot's character, they grow a little closer. And Roman and Tej strike up a friendship that seems like it's gonna be lasting. Mm-hmm. Um... The Puerto Ricans... No, they're not Puerto Ricans. What's wrong with me? They're Dominicans. The Dominicans come back, and that they were actually pretty funny. Um, that whole negativity bit, really funny. Yeah, and that carried out throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. It's None of it was done poorly. Yes, and that is something that I will say for this movie on the whole. Nothing was done poorly. I. This is something that kind of speaks to the movie as a whole, but I know that... Typically with these movies, the things that I will say I enjoyed the most were things that made me go, okay. Like in uh, Fast and Furious, all the like um, visual callbacks and references to previous films. I was like, okay, uh, this movie had me, for the first time, other than like one or two instances in these movies, I would regularly go like, hell yes, fucking awesome. Like this is a thing that I genuinely love seeing and is surprising to me. 
And culminating all of that, I think, the surprise, the endorphin rush, the the just happy to see things unfolding on the screen at the center of all of this, we've been summoning him. Every episode. Every episode. I don't know, we should probably officially credit Kevin McLeod from Incompetech. Uh, his song, Summoning the Rock, yes. has been the intro and outro of each of these episodes. For his credit, Rock is spelled W R A W K. Uh huh. But he's finally here. The Rock has been summoned. It's a real Candyman situation. We did it four times. <laughs> and so, say what you will. These characters coming back. Also, this is something. This is crazy that this is what I'm about to say. There is a full blown practical effects train heist. And That's we will right. probably not have time to talk about it. The This movie opens. This movie opens with one of the best action sequences I have ever seen. And it is just the opening. I, I have exactly one note written about the train heist. And I think it's one of the, the, the biggest compliments I can pay this movie. Such a cool way to steal cars. Yes, the coolest way to steal cars. I have two things to say about the train heist, other than I love train heists in every <laughs> every piece of fiction. And there's a story past of train heist. I mean, The Great Train Robbery is one of the first talkie films. I, th- I think that train robberies are thematically great. The two things I want to say, and these are behind-the-scenes th- things... Uh, you know how everyone, like, sucked the dick of Batman Begins because they built the Batmobile for that and it was a real thing? Sure. Uh, you know that huge truck monstrosity they used to steal it? That was a custom-built vehicle they made for this. That's awesome. They bought that train and crashed the thing into it for real. That's awesome. Those cars, they weren't those actual cars. They were kit cars that were specially designed to look like them. But they had to be specially designed in such a way that everything that they do on screen, they do for real. That's awesome. It's... The the train robbery is like the fucking craziest practical effects insanity. Oh, it's so good. And we really don't have time to talk about because there's so much other stuff. And it's such a quick part of the film, although it does kick off a lot of the, like, the drama and the conflict... I mean, it sets you up against this bad guy who's kind of... I don't care about him. I yeah, more want to focus on The Rock as the villain. Can we talk about the fact that you don't see Dom Toretto in the movie uh, rejoining the crew until... The train here, robbery. Here is how Dom Toretto is introduced. There is this incredible, like, symmetrical scene where they're using these blowtorches to cut a hole in the train. The, the train side flies off and the camera lens is like flooded with light and on the other side of that is dominic toretto human monster and like muscles from the first movie is like look who showed up and i'm like we're in it yeah that i mean that's classic action line action movie dialogue yeah this is a classic action movie scene also vince is in it which is crazy yeah muscles comes back maybe the craziest thing i like muscles anyway the right muscles liked muscles rip in peace muscles uh but the rock deserves a lot of attention for this movie he does but also this train scene yeah the train scene okay i have things i want to say i have about more the things we can't talk a lot i about. have more to talk about the train scene okay we'll 
So what I can do is just bridge the gap between where we are in the train scene. The movie starts, they break him out. Uh, very much the the order of the day, and I've said that twice on the podcast, very much the, the in thing to do in movies and video games from like 2009 to 2012 is set things in a favela. Yeah. Uh, so when I see Cristo Redentor, I'm like, oh, cool, we're in Rio. A lot of this movie is going to be in a fucking favela. And watching this movie, you definitely see why shit got set in favelas, because it's an awesome place to film things. I mean, yeah, uh, cinematographically, really cool shots, nothing, mm-hmm. you know, it looks like a setting. Yeah, it looks like a setting, and the something like a, a favela is has massive color and vertical development it's just a great place to shoot and honestly one of the greatest things about the villain is this favela that he's sort of set up people are loyal to him they'll do things for him because he gave them Mm -hmm. this favela basically yeah so i will compliment that Mm -hmm. but there's one problem with the train scene yes um (laughs) there's dea agents on the train Uh uh-huh who don't hear (laughs) They don't hear the side of the train being ripped off. Yes. They don't hear cars hitting yes. the ground and driving away. They don't hear any of the... They don't hear the, the massive 10-ton car lifter monster drive up alongside or hitch onto the cars and go... Ding! To, like, suck the cars out. What they do hear, and I guess it's because they trained for it, is... A gunshot. They hear the gunshot. They look outside. They see that the DEA agents say, We're being robbed. Don't stop the train. Uh, yeah. Why not stop the train? Why? <laughs> they're like, they're, I don't have an They're ridiculous DEA. I'm glad they're yeah. dead. All right. So th- th- that was the only thing about the train. Um, other than the... Really, there's no way they survived that fall. I'm sorry, that was way more than 60 feet. Yeah. That water was fucking concrete when they hit. Uh, I know physics. I watched The Guardian with Dulé Hill. It's about the Coast Guard. Maybe you heard of it? No. Okay, well, in The Guardian, they teach you any fall into water above 60 feet, that's concrete. Mm-hmm. That'll kill you. So The Rock, speaking of concrete... He wasn't in The Guardian. <laughs> he was not in The Guardian. But speaking of concrete, The Rock. Uh, I'm going to open another Corona for The Rock. I'm not far behind you, but we're actually asymmetrical tonight for the first time all, all recording. So, uh, when, when The the Rock... The Rock is an incredible addition. And let me tell you why. Because he is the full paladin... Yes, because we with this movie, we have seen the transition of all of these characters we know and love to what I lovingly call super criminals. <laughs> these characters that we love have basically become supervillains. And when, you're, when you have characters become larger-than-life villains, you need a larger-than-life good guy yes. to go after them. So I actually read the, uh, the description for... A partial description of this movie because I had to place a hold on it at the library and it says that Dwayne the Rock Johnson is uh and I have a problem with blurbs like this because they're clearly not written by the people involved it says that he is the the leader of like corrupt cops there's no indication that he nor the people who work for him are corrupt he is incorruptible Javert like yeah they're, they're all straight laced they're all mm-hmm. like you know, the best men you could find. Yeah. So you you take these super criminals and you have a super cop 
which the introduction of The Rock is great because up until this point, you've had some some stuff happening, but the best thing that you could possibly do in a sequel for a movie where the characters are basically like superheroes is you create a mirror version. Yeah. Uh, the Rock is the only credible physical foil to the human monster that is Dominic Toretto. No, like, every time they tangle, it, it's like a clash of titans. Yeah, it's a Godzilla movie, whenever they fight. There was a moment where, I think this is the first time that Dominic and uh, Luke Hobbs meet, and uh, they face down, and it is terrifying. <laughs> Because with the mythology of Dominic Toretto and just the sweaty, physical, like, manifestation of hatred that is The Rock, oh, it's so good. It's The Rock in this movie was genetically engineered to out-macho any human being in existence. And his unit, I want to give credit to his unit because they are super fucking competent. Yes. Like, this is the first time... Sure, we saw O'Connor be a brilliant cop, mm -hmm. but like they even let's pull on this patrol cop, mm -hmm. the this smiling, great smile patrol cop, mm -hmm. and then she's like even super cop. Like this is the first time we're seeing a law enforcement that could actually keep up with the criminals yeah, in I this mean, universe. Gone are the days of walk it off, O'Connor. Yeah. Except they aren't because pretty much the exact same thing happens between. Brian and Vince, and Vin Diesel literally says, walk it off, O'Connor. <laughs> nice callback. <laughs> I don't think it was intentional. <laughs> uh, but no, God, The Rock is so good. He's so good because he makes that character cool and scary in a way that no other actor really could. And, and Luke Hobbs has just a fun way of speaking. He speaks like a, a comic book character. Yes. Make sure you have your thunderwear on. Mm -hmm. I, now, this is a period of The Rock's career that I really like, which I like to call The Rock Getting Work, uh, which is to say The Rock had not perfected the craft of acting. He's he's is 100% invested, which is why people get Dwayne Johnson. They know that he will give 110%. He's one of the hardest working actors in the business. But the way he delivers lines actually manifests itself in being maybe my favorite imagined character trait of Luke Hobbs in that he doesn't have inflection. <laughs> yeah, no. he's Everything he says is completely serious and completely, like, without emphasis. Yeah, because someone comes up to him and they say, I've got good news and I've got bad news. He says, you know I like my dessert first. And then the guy gives him the good news. And he's like, give me the damn veggies. <laughs> he doesn't say any of this with any air of, like self-awareness or irony or fun he just says it with no inflection whatsoever the only line that i think he inflects and i think it was probably because they knew this was going to be the sound bite for the trailer don't let them get into cars <laughs> yes which is like they're <laughs> like they're finally acknowledging that these people are super superhuman yes. only behind the <laughs> wheels of cars they they've become superheroes and you can't give them the tools that they need to uh, do the devil's work. And I I just love Luke Hobbs so much. And this is more behind the scenes stuff. This is why I think his character is so good. So they cast Dwayne Johnson as Hobbs. 
because they liked the idea of having like a a physical foil in these movies. So having this like huge larger than life character. Here's the thing though. That character was not written for The Rock. Who was it written for? It was written for their original casting choice before they turned to The Rock. So you have Luke Hobbs, played by Dwayne The Rock Johnson, reciting lines written for Tommy Lee Jones. You are shitting me. They wanted Tommy Lee Jones to like do the do the fugitive thing and have him be Hobbs, but it is The Rock reading lines written for Tommy Lee Jones, and it is perfect. That is a completely different movie. Yeah. Because if you cast Tommy Lee Jones, you get the intellectual foil to Dom. Yes. He can probably outsmart them, but he's not the gung-ho, like, I'm gonna fucking beat your face in Yeah. type of guy. So you have this character who delivers these, like, hard-edged, like, sardonic lines, but in a completely deadpan, like intense way and it just like it collides to make this character that's just super energizing to watch i think if he had emphasized like i i feel like those lines that like give me the damn veggies and stuff like that the fact that he doesn't inflect i think it's because it's coming from somebody that looks like the rock yeah it works for some reason just because it's like yeah this is a guy who probably wouldn't joke around, but, like, would go through the motions of joking around mm-hmm. while looking like he could bench press the bus that he's standing behind. Yes. And that's sort of, like, he talks like that and he looks like that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so good. I love his character so much. He's always sweating. <laughs> and, and honestly, like, whereas we saw the fallen paladin sort of, not trope, but storyline with O'Connor who goes full... At Rogue. <laughs> yes. Luke Hobbs is 100% like lawful good paladin, but will also fucking kill a bitch. I, I really, I, I really love that this movie took exactly what you wanted to happen with Hobbs' character. And you're like, I want to see him and Dom fight. And I don't want it to be a normal fight. I want it to be a fight between demigods. The second time they meet, because I guess the chase, like, what what better way to inter- for Dom to, to get introduced to Luke Hobbs other than him jumping through a fucking window? <laughs> yes. And like, like, in that moment, because he's already running from the, the, the drug guys mm-hmm. guys with guns yeah and all of a sudden this guy jumps through a window and like you look back and you're like what the fuck i uh <laughs> like I actually, the fucking boogeyman is now after me uh that scene reminded me very much of okay i don't know how many resident evil games you've played a zero okay so resident evil 3 nemesis has an enemy in it called nemesis yeah he's in the i think he's in the the second resident evil movie yeah maybe uh, but Nemesis is an unkillable, gigantic monster, and the the whole idea behind the game, and it's cool, is that this thing will follow you forever. And it's just running from this thing you can't kill. So when that happens, it reminded me of the first time Nemesis appears in, the, in Resident Evil 3, because it's like, oh, this is a character that I really like and appreciate. Ah, oh, fuck, this is a horrible monster that will never stop chasing me. Yeah, and I gotta do all these quick time events to just evade it yeah. so I can live another day and hopefully find its weakness, which, by the way, is not a one-on-one fight, Tom. <laughs> it is. It is not. Though, I mean, that fight's so good. 
It it's so good, so monstrous. The physicality of that fight, it like they. It's one thing to show two guys fighting in the in, in the same room. Jason Bourne, that series does it. He uses a book as a weapon. Mm-hmm. The camera angles are hard to follow. It's all fast, fast cuts, fast camera. You get the gist of the fight, but you're not really seeing it. The physicality of the Dom versus Rock fight or, or Luke Hobbs fight. The camera is steady. Yeah. And everything around them is being, like, smashed and broken. Like, the thing that's shaking is the environment. Yeah, they, they film it very smartly because if... In a lot of ways, if you film a fight scene in a certain way, it can look like someone is uh, getting the upper hand on someone else with finesse and skill and, like, uh, combat awareness. That's the but, Bourne series, yeah. Yeah, but with this, it is just two people who have their feet fucking planted and they are gigantic elephant people and who are just beating the fuck out of each other. Yeah, and like there, there's no there's no rules of engagement or anything. Both are playing dirty. Yes. Both are like using their environment and both are really going for the kill. <laughs> I mean I mean obviously like you know they're they're not they're not actually fighting. That would be ridiculous. Yeah. But there are things in that fight the way it is shot that just look fucking vicious. Like, the way the fight ends with them, like, jumping and, like, hitting that table, and the table fucking flies out of the shot with the force of them colliding with it. It's like, Jesus Christ, this is shot like both of these people weigh 700 pounds. And and in a way, like, when you have larger-than-life characters, what better way to embody that with, like, a larger-than-life, like, environment wrecking, and all the things they break are plausible. They're not, like, punching through cinder block walls. Yes. Except for the part where they dive through a cinder block (laughs) wall. Yes. But, like, they smash a mirror, they break lights and stuff, things that you ostensibly could break. Yeah. The only gap, and, like, I I love it, I'm not gonna knock it, is that that dive through the window and that jump, Mm -hmm. a little bit exaggerated. Tiny bit, like, the fact that they clear that ramp and railing, that's a little bit much. (laughs) Absolutely. And, uh, oh man, it's just, this movie's storytelling is so good. Because, you know, they are criminals. Yes. But Dom's still, like, he saves the patrol cop Mm -hmm. from, from the guns and stuff. Yes. And, like, he shows restraint and, I mean... This is a guy, Luke Hobbs taunts him for killing, uh, or, yeah, beating a guy an inch. With an inch of his life with a socket wrench. Which we know from the first movies because his, he, he blamed it, blamed that guy for his dad's death. Yes. And, like, so in that moment when, like, there's a socket wrench right fucking there, Mm -hmm. and, like, it's familiar to him, but he shows the restraint, all of these are clues to, to what's his face, Luke Hobbs, that, hey, sometimes it's not all, white and black. Yeah. There's a gray area. Mm-hmm. There... Dom's still technically, even though he's killed people at this point, a good guy. There is, uh... Now, this movie... I feel like maybe the only thematic criticism I could really level on this movie is that sometimes... And I totally fell for it because I fucking ate it up. But sometimes I feel like it was giving you too much of what you wanted. It was just dessert. Uh, but when at the very end, not the very end, leading into the very end for catching whatever the bad guy's name is. I don't is, know his name. When Hobbs is like, I'll fucking do it. 
Reyes. When, yeah, Reyes. When Hobbs is on board, and yeah. and you see like these characters you love with this new character you love, and they're just in it to fuck shit up. You're like, yes, I love it. But in in hindsight, I'm like, is that giving us too much? I I will. I think it's justified. No, I feel like they the writers wanted us to feel it was justified through the ambush on. Yes. Hobbs' men, mm-hmm. and his entire unit is wiped out. Yes. We probably needed a little more background. like Maybe, like, this is the unit that Hobbs has been with, let's say, for a, near a decade. Mm-hmm. And in a in a business where you don't typically work with the same people often. Like, and, I mean, I, I definitely... We kind of get that, like, he, he handpicks people. Like, mm-hmm. he, he grabs a, 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 like a very specific translator. Mm-hmm. And so maybe, like, that's supposed to feed into, like, he handpicked all his men and they've been with him forever. But that's not said in the film. That That's an inference. Yeah, and I, I definitely like it. Uh, now, I might be unfairly saying that I liked this because the Blu-ray disc that I was using actually had a pretty significant read issue on the Hobbs ambush. Oh. When, when Reyes' men ambush Hobbs' convoy. It skipped around and stuff? It didn't skip around. It, the sound would cut out and it would continue for a while. Then the Blu-ray disc would start over. I took it out, cleaned it. But as a result of that, in various forms, I watched the Hobbs ambush about six or seven times. So you might be a little bit jaded. I'm, I'm less so jaded. I really liked the Hobbs ambush because I feel like it, it humanized his character. And it did the thing... That Fast and Furious movies are learning to do, where it did a bringing to center, because at that point they had been captured. Uh, the the motivations of Hobbs was so des- disparate from them. Reyes was like out there fucking shit up on like a a different parallel track to both the heroes and the antagonist, which is the Rock. And then through that they did like this great bringing to center, where they're like these criminals have. Um, like, engendered themselves to this translator. Uh, the Rock has lost his team. He's lost everything. Reyes has elevated himself to the true antagonist. So they bring everything to center to create this final heist, which I can't talk enough about the final heist because, hear me out, I think the final heist might be the smartest heist I've seen in movies in maybe ever. Because what that movie does is it creates systems, it gives you blueprints, it shows you everything you need for the heist. You know how this heist is going to happen perfectly. You've you've walked through the facility, you've seen it multiple times, they've attacked it from multiple angles, they've assigned characters to specific jobs. You have montage after montage of them trying to like evade the oscillating 10 second cameras using drifting and yeah. really fast cars. They let like... They realize that's not going to work. They They show all their skills. Every character has an individual mission to accomplish. It's like great Ocean's Eleven shit. And then right at the very end... But even before that, it keeps building. They they have to do alternative solutions. They steal cop cars. Yeah. You have this great cop car race where everyone's in the same car. Which is one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Which is the only race in the movie. Yes. Oh, earlier... There's an implied race. There's an implied race because I I made a note here that said they didn't show the race because these movies aren't about that anymore. I thought it was... Like, when when they skipped the race and they just showed the results, I'm like, well, yeah, of course. Because it's a forethought. Well, no, because these... 
An afterthought. These people have been elevated to the level of gods. We don't need to watch the race. Yeah, because that would be, you know what's going to happen. But That was very smart where they're like, this race doesn't exist. And you're, I'm just, uh, you, you're building and building and building. Yeah. You know every detail. You have so much evidence against Sean Boswell being smart. Yes. Because these people, all of these people just walk up and they know, each one of them knows how to drive cars. Yeah. And they know how to drift. <laughs> Sean Boswell, I will say, was just Han's challenge. He saw he saw this in in universe slow person and was like, "I'm gonna elevate him to the level of everyone else in the goddamn universe." It's a real trading places situation where Han was like, "I'm gonna see if I can take this like racing hobo exactly. and turn them into a racing millionaire." Because by for, from all the evidence we've seen, anyone can do it. Yeah, Han's a fantastic, incredible driver who has a lot better shit to do than teach some weird transplant how to drift. And now, pivoting back to your point, we see this entire thing, we know every detail of the plan, and... It's 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 such a perfectly orchestrated and choreographed heist. It It is perfect. And then, what do they do? They take everything you learned, and with one moment, one inciting incident, they're like, fuck it. Yeah. At, at that point, the movie goes, everything that you've seen no longer applies... Everyone's mad. This person is a garbage person. Fuck it. We're stealing the safe. And I feel like this is such a great move. Because in heist movies, it one or two things can happen. Mm-hmm. You see all the planning. You know how the plan's going to go down. So either it goes off without a hitch and therefore there's no conflict. Or the much more popular option. Something goes wrong in the heist seemingly, but then it turns out... Yeah. The thing going wrong was part of the heist, and that's all explained to you in the post. Yes. Which is a really weak way to do it. And their inversions happen because something bad happens. So then you see improvisations and riffs on these things that you've already been told are going to happen. It's an Ocean's Eleven. Yeah, so, but but them throwing out the plan from the get-go is like... Yes, it's such good two writing. Two little fingers to heist movies saying, no, fuck you, you're doing it wrong. It's such good writing because you're like... <laughs> Because you got everything you wanted. You got all of the heist movie endorphins you got because you saw everything. But then if you saw it played out, that they realize the problem with heist movies is watching the heist happen is always the weakest part. Exactly. And they're like, fuck it. Yeah, fuck. We're like, stealing the fucking safe. They tell, your, they tell their audience, we're not fucking pulling one over on you. You're going to see us steal the goddamn safe. <laughs> yes. You might not see the switch that we pull, but it doesn't matter because it's the same goddamn safe. Yeah, so you you have them set up this ecosystem for it to take place in, and there's nothing that goes wrong that makes them improvise. The plan just changes because they're like, fuck this guy. Yeah, fuck this guy. The only reasonable way we can do this is to like go in, guns blazing, turbocharged muscle cars with two fucking ropes, and we're going to pull the safe out of there, and we're going to have probably... My favorite car-based action sequence in any fucking movie I've ever seen, which is the safe robbery. Yeah. It's so perfect. (laughs) It's so... Oh, just another quick behind-the-scenes thing. That safe, real as hell. Are you... So there are scenes where there is a CG safe. Okay. They did build... So, in a lot of the scenes... Number one, when the safe is rolling, crashing into cars, and that shop, real safe. 
The safe okay. is an armored car. Okay. They built a car into the safe. Gotcha. I I, I might believe that. But there, there were some scenes... It's obviously CG. It's obviously... Scenes. And I was going to ask you, because I know you were not a fan of the CGI cars in the previous movie. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask you, what did you feel about the CGI in the safe? Because I could tell, and if I can tell, then it's not good CGI. I could definitely tell, but it's made up for the fact that this movie used practical effects wherever possible. And honestly, the things they do with the, with the safe, awesome. Yeah, the, the <laughs> fact that it, it does something that every great action sequence in any action movie does, where they're like, they present a problem that you know exactly how it would work, which is you have two cars, so you have two vectors on an object. You have an object with a great amount of inertia and weight. These things are connected to it at two points. What can we do with that? Yeah. It's they had a very limited set of tools and they did everything they could with it. Using it to like ram cars, using the weight of the safe to perform driving maneuvers, like tugging it from oh god, it's so fucking good. Yeah. And, and such poetic justice to to basically we're going to take this guy out with his own money, mm-hmm. with his own safe because it's the one thing that can bring him down. Yeah. It's, I really, and one of the things that made it genius, because you could, you could say that it is lazy writing to throw the heist out and not see it done, but I don't agree with that. But you can't, you can't make that point because the infrastructure that they set up to make the heist happen allows the switch to happen it allows the stealing of the safe to happen so it, the heist happens yeah it just happens using the infrastructure they set up in a completely unexpected way and i will write i will write i will speak to the strength because normally take any oceans 11 movie the explanation of how they pulled off the heist is usually long elaborate and barely makes sense like yeah and the original oceans 11 spoiler alerts like oh yeah we already stole the money. We were just pretending to steal the money on this date mm-hmm. to let him know that we stole the money. Or, and the explanation is like 10 minutes long. Yeah, it's a real now you see me problem. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And this movie, what's good about it is the explanation of like the switch is less than 30 seconds. And like you, you saw sort of when it happened. Yeah, it, it does what any good magic trick does. It shows you the moment when it happens. It was just shot in such a way that you couldn't have paid attention to it. So you couldn't have, you know, I, I think that it wouldn't have been cool if they were like, ah, we put hints in. They did put small amounts of dialogue in that yeah. made you believe what was going to happen. See you on the other side. See you on the other side. You've got a 10 second window. Make yeah. it count. Because when she says that, you're like, I'm not sure what, th- I guess that's just like throwaway dialogue that's supposed to make you feel like there's tension or whatever. Uh, but all of it led to them using this infrastructure they had set up to execute a switcheroo, which, I mean, even at the end when Dom, like, lets Brian go so that he can then sacrifice himself to deliver the fake safe, that kind of got to me. I was like, no, it would have got, got me. It would have gotten to me if <laughs> I hadn't written this line uh, when they first climb out of the sewer grates and Mia reveals she's pregnant. At that timestamp, I wrote, Mia, Mia revealing she's pregnant ensures Dom will sacrifice himself. Yeah. 
and then it plays out. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this doesn't surprise me, but I am emotional <laughs> about it because, yeah, like in that moment, Dom is acting above all. Like he's embodying his La Familia thing because he's yeah. like, I like I've already lost muscles mm-hmm. and I'm about to gain baby muscles, baby muscles. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and like I have to give money to also the real baby muscles, whose name is is Aniko, which is Dominic. Uh huh. And so he's like, "This is it, you know. I lost, I lost my Letty. My Letty is Deddy. Yes. And so I must become Deddy so I can join Letty. Yes, I'm ready to be Deddy like Letty. <laughs> Thank you for finishing my limerick. Uh, <laughs> but no. Uh, also, uh, two things about that. He did go there intending to sacrifice himself. But he's so goddamn good at his job that he lived. <laughs> yes, and also Brian shows up. Who? Brian, he had to make a call. Which is a weird throwback to, I think, the first movie. No, at, at the end of the, the train robbery, uh, Brian says he's got to... I, like, I oh, had to yeah. make a call, and Dom says, Shitty call. Oh, yeah. And I was okay. like... Yeah. What? And then... What's the shitty call, Dom? He's... Everybody's alive! But at the end, not shitty call, because he killed that guy. <laughs> uh, but no, Brian shows up. Here's the thing, though. Did you anticipate, when we started this, that both of us would become inve- emotionally invested in the character arc of Dominic Toretto? I mean, I have a suspicion. Because I, I will say, I've seen Fast Five. Mm-hmm. And it is still... I, I had never seen... Like, Too Fast, Too Furious, or Tokyo Drift. So I saw 1, 4, and 5. Okay. Have you seen 6, 7, 8? 5 is the last one I saw. We're in for a ride. I, we're in for a hell of a ride. If, But I just wanted to say, 5 is what I thought we were building up to. 5 is when I first told you, like, in Fast, the Fast and the Furious, that, like, we're building up to something great and this is the dirt. 5 is the full-fledged goddamn flower. Yeah, no, I, I cannot imagine... That the remaining films in this series are as good as Fast Five is. Because I want to I wanna tell you what my notes are. So I got up to the point where they reveal that they're stealing the height, stealing the safe. And my notes just become, in all capitalists, I just say, yes, yes, yeah, yes, yes, the safe. They're taking it. And uh, that's kind of where my notes stop, because at that point, I wasn't paying attention to taking notes. No, you know, seriously, like, the whole chase scene, I wrote, this is the craziest chase, the car, car chase scene yet. Yeah. And that was about it. I can't believe it. I can't believe that that exists. And, like, so much about the ending of this movie, and uh, my, my fiancé joined me for the last 30 minutes or so. That's a good 30 minutes to join in on. So much of the end of the movie, and she pointed out, it felt like a series finale. Oh, that is something that I absolutely want to talk about. We have to. Now, uh, Fast and Furious did get two sequels greenlit based on its success. So I know it couldn't have been. Everything about Fast Five felt like this is... Now... Have you ever watched Supernatural? I watched the first season and then I decided that I don't want to watch this anymore. It's a show that it it's a show that has a linear curve of getting better, like a bell curve. No, like a linear curve. Oh, well, in it does end up being a bell curve, uh, but it has a linear curve where it keeps getting better up to I believe season five, where the creators have 
explicitly said, you can consider season five to be the end of the series or you can keep watching. Aren't there 19? There's like nine seasons. 19 episodes? Uh, but they go up to season five, I think, and they say, this is a point where you could say the series is over. It's going to continue, but everything wraps up for this and you could call this the end of the series. And they would be wise to because that is where the show stops being good. And... I feel like watching Fast Five, it is a similar trajectory where this felt like a farewell. It, it felt like the last one. I, honestly, we see what each group does with their money. It's it's often very funny. It, it also... So you have a wrap-up of all these characters' stories. You even have a... Uh, like bittersweet wrap up for Han because you know he's gonna die but they say you're going to Tokyo and he says I'll get there yeah which mean, to me is them is the fourth uh, I had to ex- ex- my emotions are everywhere I had to explain this to Jamie because she watched the fourth movie with me and when they wrote Han off I was like there he goes off to die Yes. And she was like, I knew Han came back. I've seen this movie. I knew Han came back. Mm -hmm. The way that Han was sent off at the end of 12 minutes at the the beginning of the last movie, uh, of the fourth movie, absolutely was like, I'm going to Tokyo to die. Yes. And in this one, Gal Gadot says to Han, they're now like implied to be an item. She's like, I thought you wanted to go to Tokyo. Mm -hmm. And he says, oh... We'll get there. Yeah. Eventually. And that's the writers leaving Han open and alive. Yeah, it, it's the writers It's the writers giving Han room to live, which shows that they have a, a great respect and love for Soon Kong and the character he plays. I mean, he's a phenomenal actor. He's a great character. But now it's kind of like, when are we going to get to that promised future? But I, I almost feel like that is a, a playful disregard for the fact that Han dies. I feel like it is, if this were the last movie, it is a great way to end his character saying, we'll get there. Like, it gives him an indefinite amount of room to live. Except we've seen him at the age at which he dies. Yes. And he's not an old man. Yes. And in fact, both uh, Vin Diesel and Sung Kang, as they portray characters in Tokyo Drift, are in fact younger than they are now. So it's really a ticking clock uh, of believability. But... Um, if this, if this was the last Fast and Furious movie, it ends perfectly. It comes full circle because the primary, like, drama, the, the primary event which kickstarts the entire franchise is a race between Dom and Brian. And Dom and Brian race throughout the series with this one, with him winning, but not really because he let off the gas. And it ends with them... Racing like, throughout the credits. Yeah, it, it ends with them racing onward into infinity. No one's story ends. These characters that you love, they go to heaven, basically. Yeah. these, these They char- go to the farm where they, there's a lot of animals for them to play with. Yeah, like they all end like where you want them to. This would be a great last movie. And then they threw the curveball at you. So here's the thing. The I have a lot to say about the curveball. Because we should explain what the curveball is. There's an after credit sequence starring starring. It all happened. Eva Mendez comes back. <laughs> Eva Mendez is yeah. back. I'm like of all people, 
I thought surely she would outgrow the series, but I guess when they contacted her and they're like, we got Ludacris coming back, we got Tyrese coming back. And she's like, oh, if Tyrese is coming back, I'm back. Yeah. She's like, no, he was generally fun to work with. I'll come back. Can we still improvise all of our lines? And they say... No, actually, Chris Morgan is really like, yeah. He's really a m- really much tighter to... ship, and <laughs> and she's like, hey, can I improvise this whole thing about a character coming back from the dead? And they're like, okay. They're like, no. So she was like, all right. Well, can I at least? I'm sorry, this is in all of my contracts. Can I work the word ghost into a line? <laughs> and they're like, yes. And she's like, I'm in. I'm in. I get to say the word ghost. Uh, so the. There's an after credit sequence, and when did Avengers come out? 2008? I need to look this up. Uh, I think it's 2008 because... The it, Avengers or, like, Iron Man? The Avengers. The Avengers. Why are you asking about The Avengers? I'm asking about The Avengers because I want to know... Because the post credit sequence was not really that much of a thing until the Marvel movies started to happen. But the Marvel movies started with Iron Man. They did, but I feel like when the Avengers came out, the after credit sequence became a very, very popular thing to do. The Avengers came out in 2012. Oh, so a year after this. But but you Iron Man is the first post is the p- post credit scene. Nick Fury yes. coming to Iron Man saying you got a loud mouth or whatever. Yes. That was the first one and that was the first one that kind of tipped off, hey, they're building to something bigger. Uh-huh. And Iron Man came out in 2008. Oh, yeah, of course. 2011, you have three years of Marvel movies after that. Yeah. I mean, the, the, as, as ridiculous as it is, what birthed the Marvel Cinematic Universe is the post-credit sequence in the Ed Norton Incredible Hulk. I disagree wholeheartedly. Now, the after-credit sequence after Iron Man is saying, okay, cool, this is like a fun thing. But when the trend continues and the, it was a huge deal, that Robert Downey Jr. appeared in the after credit sequence for the Hulk. And then you realized the the breadth and the scope of what they were committing to. I've never seen that movie, and I refuse to acknowledge that it exists. It is the second post credit sequence, and it is a direct continuation with Iron Man showing up. People lost their fucking minds, even if the Hulk movie is bad. I refuse to acknowledge that movie on the grounds that it sucks. Yes, it's real bad. However, you cannot say it is not important to history. I will I will acknowledge its importance to history, and that movie came out a year later, right? Something like that. Like 2009? Yeah. So that would make sense. But at this point, uh, the, the after-credits sequence establishing greater future things was kind of normal. It was actually the same year. Oh, nice. So they both came out in 2008. So that trend, or that, that gimmick, and everyone wrote about it. Yes. Like, it exploded on, on the media sort of circus. And of, previous Fast and Furious movie, 2009, too early to do something like that. Production had almost wrapped at that point. Yeah. So, I, don't, I always think so. We paused for a helicopter. I lost my train of thought. Yeah. Um, <laughs> fuck that helicopter. Uh, do you think if you, like, inhale and raise your arms up, you're, like, gonna come up with what your point was? <laughs> You've noticed that I do that a few so times? So they... Post-credit sequence. They saw what Marvel did. They thought, hey, we wrapped up basically all of our characters. They all have happy endings. This could be a potential series. But we have one more movie confirmed by Universal that we have to make. Yes. We need to put asses in seats. 
How do we do that? We bait the hook. Yes. With a post credit scene. We bring Ava Mendez from the FBI back. She's talking to Dwayne The Rock Johnson. She's got folders in her hands. She's talking about fucking ghosts. Yes. And he opens it. What do we see but a picture of... Letty. Who is, is undeady. Letty's undeady. God damn it. Letty's back. Letty will be back. Letty will return in Spider-Man Homecoming. <laughs> and uh, apparently she's leading a, a, a ring of car theft in Berlin, of all sure. places. Okay. Because this movie is truly all over the world now. This series is the happening. Fuck the fuck you is happening in all countries all over the world. Um, I felt two things. I felt like it was emotionally manipulative, and I loved it. <laughs> I lost my shit. I was I was so happy because here's the thing: this is something that has not happened to me in years. I was. What I here's what I usually do when I watch a Fast and the Furious movie. Now I watch them in my apartment while my girlfriend is not home, uh, and then I just start you know making myself some lunch because I watch them early in the morning. So I just leave it on to listen to whatever song they put on the soundtrack for the the end credits because I find it weirdly soothing, and I've been doing that since the first one. And I got up and I just started like doing some stuff, and then I heard it drop out. And I heard an after credit scene start and I lost my fucking mind because I was actually surprised that there was a post credit scene. Same here. Like, I, <laughs> my girlfriend and I were joking. Like, oh, they're doing the race. Like, we're going to see who definitively is faster in the post credits at not, during the credits. So we watched it to watch the race. Mm -hmm. And I, of course, made my same jokes I always make. Like, oh, Vin Diesel was in this? Wow. Yeah, Ejector yeah. Cito cuz. Yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. And then, like, it faded out, and I was like, that's weird. Usually that's for post credit scenes, and then it started, and I was like, what? Yeah. No! No way! And then, like, a lady starts walking, I'm like, nuh-uh. It can't be. Nuh-uh. I, I actually... I was like, of course, because everyone is back. This is a thing that I did not think I was capable of doing as an adult, but when I saw that it was uh, Ava Mendez, I said to myself, alone, to my cat, no. <laughs> I no. Saw, Like I was watching an episode of The Bachelor or something, I just went, no. And it was real. And then when I, when I saw that Letty was in it, I paused it and I made a note. And it was the only note that I made after the safe scene. And the note just says, Letty. <laughs> <laughs> I had a similar note. Ava Mendes. So here's wait. So this is how my notes go. Very few CG cars. Letty. Letty. Like not a comment about Letty. Just her name. Yeah. Uh, Letty has risen from the deady, and she's ready to kick some Luke Hobbs. <laughs> Luke Hobbity. Hobbity. Oh man. I, this movie, it left me with such a sense of satisfaction. I, I'm, for this movie, how many hours of Fast and the Furious have we watched? Right. They each average about an hour and 40. I was surrounded so it for two hours. Yeah, and also and this say, one is significantly longer because this one's like two hours and ten minutes. I was just going to say, let's... Ten hours. Let's just say two hours. Yeah, ten hours of Fast and Furious. Ten hours of Fast and Furious. This movie was worth everything I've watched leading up to I was, it. We watched four 
semi-decent movies. Some more decent than others. We've they- watched four movies with significant problems that, to be honest with you, unless I was duty-bound by a podcast, I probably wouldn't keep watching. And the payout is, like, the the combination and the stars aligning to give you a perfect movie. Yes. It's... Like, considering... You have to stay in the universe. You got to use these characters. You got to stick to these tropes. You got to have the car scene. The car scene is mandatory. You got to have a slope. You have to have to, at least one slow motion ladies walking from the camera. Yes. With, you know, in short shorts scene. You got to do all that. This is the perfect iteration of that. This is a bad analogy. But the way what this movie made me think of is eating while camping. Hear me out. When you go camping... You get a cast iron pot. You're eating very specific things. You're eating like cliff bars, granola, bananas, string cheese, whatever. Like, you're like, this food's okay, but it tastes good because we're limited to what we have. But when a when something is cooked after a long day out of like minimal ingredients, you've just got fucking like noodles and Alfredo sauce and a Coleman stove or whatever, you have limited ingredients... But the thing that you have because of the environment you have it in is perfect. And nothing could possibly be better. Given the tools that they had to make this movie, I have no idea how they could have made a better movie. Yeah. Like, I was blown away by how much I love Fast Five. And, and like, (laughs) I don't know if it's quality or, like, passion or, like, love that oozes in every second. But, like, you can tell the people making this film... Loved making this film. Yeah, that's that's the great thing about it, because typically with Fast and Furious movies, what makes them watchable is you feel like people had fun. Yeah. And watching this is the culmination of all of that, because it is the most people having the most fun making the most movie they can. And it's fucking electric. It's, it's so stimulating to watch. Uh, and I think... So first of all, we need to get into our metrics. We do need to get into our metrics. The first metric being... Corona. The Corona meter. Corona's drunk. Zero. Yeah. Amazingly zero. All Brahmas and non-brand beers. And like, yeah, labels facing away from cameras. They didn't want to be specific. There were a lot of beers drank. There were, but no Coronas. And they don't count. Now I want to say, though... Now I've got a hunch... How much of this movie takes place in California? None? Because it goes Because it goes from wait, when Dom's on the prison bus, that is in California, right? Correct. But then they run to Brazil, Brazil. where they drink Brahma. And I th- the end scenes are, are like the end scenes of each like pairing mm-hmm. are all over the world. They're all over the world, but none of them, I think, take place in California. Presumably. Now, the point I want to make, I actually have found a weird coincidence happening in these movies. Now, if you remember, Corona in Fast in Fast 1, no Corona in Too Fast, no Corona in Tokyo Drift, Corona in Fast and Furious, no Corona in Fast 5. You think it's every... Every movie that has... Enough time set in California, Coronas are consumed. In the first one, they are in California drinking Coronas. Too Fast spends no time in California, no Coronas. Tokyo Drift obviously is never in California, thus no Coronas are drunk. 
Fast and Furious is in California, so they drink Coronas. Fast Five, no Coronas because it never takes place in California. There's a problem with your theory, and that's these people are still wanted in California. (laughs) I don't think they're going back. Oh, no. We've drank all the Coronas for nothing. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, zero Coronas, interestingly. Uh, And the... Nope. And a better movie. So you gotta wonder... Well, no... That doesn't that doesn't necessarily track. We already discussed too fast in Tokyo. You're right. Uh, So that's not Uh. necessarily. Uh, So the other metric, of course, (laughs) that we judge these movies by is overall treatment of women. I want to say yes. Even though we haven't said her name once, the patrol cop is a very compelling character. Very compelling character. Um, So compelling that while you're making your next point, I'm going to look her up. It's a a pretty meaningful side story, which, by the way, if we talk about this movie and we don't talk about the fact that there is a through line of Letty's, like, silver cross necklace that she left in Dom's car and the fucking ends of the Earth search, Dom goes on to get that back to show his love of Letty. He breaks in <clears throat> he breaks into a police officer's uh house. Yeah. To get it back and like basically doesn't threaten her, but does corner her against a wall to rip it from yes. her neck. Also aren't they in a relationship at the end of the movie? They are. Oh boy. Her name's Elena. Okay. What's her real name? Her real name is Elsa Pataki. I've never seen her in anything. Uh, she's known for Fast Five. Oh, that makes sense. Is that it? Because I thought she was really good. That's a spoiler. Oh, no. That's a spoiler. No, close it. Ah, ah, close it. I can't look. Close <laughs> I closed every one of my apps. Um, She's in this movie. Yeah, she's known for this movie. Uh, so the... Uh, Treatment of women, she's good. She's good. Gal Gadot is uh, present. Now, there's she, a scene where she gets a hand. Yeah, print, but like, now this movie, I feel like on the whole has it's good treatment. Her idea. It's her idea. I feel like this movie does have good treatment of women compared to previous movies, but it also super sexualizes them, makes them like even when women are being useful, they're still kind of being sex objects. Uh, Tedge and Tyrone Pierce. Yeah. Uh, they have Lamborghinis with, uh, oh, yeah, with, with ladies in them. So, apparently, money buys you ladies and Lambos. There's two lines that I have a problem with. They're both said by Tedge. I'm sorry. Yeah. The joke's like, oh, so, like, did he just, like, grab the yep. slap? And did he then just grab, yep. The repeat of that line when he asks Mia... If I were Brian, I'd be like, that's yeah. If, that's if, the mother of my child. If you were a psychopath, <laughs> you'd probably kill him. <laughs> and we know that Brian has a problem. I guess he's not as bad as Sean Boswell, <laughs> no, I mean, who can't if, help himself. If we took this back to the age of Dark Brian, Fast and Furious Dark Brian, what he'd do is he would laugh at Tedge's joke, uh, remove Mia from his lap, stand up... Pick Tedge up and slam his face repeatedly into a wall and, until he was dead. And then his superior would go would go up here and say, Walk it off, O'Connor. Yeah. And he'd be like, That is my hypnosis word, and fall asleep. Yeah. 
Um, so I feel like much better than basically any previous movie. Still, uh, you know what? I'm going to downgrade these movies. So far, they've been capital P problematic. This one's lowercase p problematic. Tiny P. Tiny, tiny P. Finally. Uh, and then, of course, we move into our final metric, the most important and damning metric, which is the Fast and Furious FQ tier list. Yes. Or the individual names that we call them. I believe yours is called John's List. I actually thought I'd spruce it up a little bit. Are you going to spruce it up a tiny bit? So I noticed that every time we do it, you have like... You tend to have, like, a much more detailed name than, than I, well, mine is. I, I am a writer. That makes sense. So I've actually been... I've I've been looking at a couple different names that I could call mine. Yeah. And I think I want to call it John's Good Car List. Yet an adjective. <laughs> yeah. That's nice. It uh, it was John's Car List once, and now it's John's Good Car List. John's Good Car List dot notepad. Let's hear it. So uh, I actually wrote these down at work, but I forgot to take them with me. Nice. But I it's it's getting to a point where I've seen so many of these movies, it's tough to keep them straight. Yeah. So, uh, starting from the top, number one with a bullet, Fast Five. I love this movie. Uh, I can say that with no reservations. I think that this movie is, like, the pinnacle of all of these movies we've seen. The other ones don't even come close. I I would agree with that. Uh, And then we have... See, this is a tough one. Who gets the second crown? I'm actually starting, slowly, to rework my tier list. Now, the second one under Fast Five, of course, is Too Fast, Too Furious. <laughs> what? Uh, yeah, obviously Too Fast, Too <laughs> okay, Furious. Okay, whatever. Okay, so Too oh, Fast, Too Furious. Too Fast, Too Furious. It's a, it's a close second. It's a close second. <laughs> How? It's a close second. I'll go. Uh, and then after that, like I said, I do find that... Uh, I used to not like this movie as much when we were earlier on. It has recently gained a lot of spots, and that is The Fast and the Furious. Yeah. Because it's vitally important. Because, like, now that you see where we went... Yes. You can look back at where we came from, and you're like, okay. Yeah. So, we have, from the top, just so I can remember, Fast Five, Too Fast, Fast One. So, now we get into my fourth favorite, which is, of course, Los Bandoleros. All right. Uh, Los Bandoleros, great artistic vision. Uh, then under Los Bandoleros, we have, of course, Tokyo Drift. Okay. And then under Tokyo Drift, we have Fast and Furious. Okay. And then, of course, our perennial shit flower, uh, the turbocharged prequel to Too Fast, Too Furious. Fast and Furious is actually lower than I thought it would be. Fast and Furious is probably my least favorite one of these movies, and I'm being totally genuine. Yeah, no, it's one of those things where it's like, well, you'll see it reflected in my tier list. Okay. Uh, so, now it's time for... <sighs> Let me take a deep breath. Oh, wait. It's Henry's Fast and Loose Good Time for All. <laughs> Fuck you. Tier list. Boom, 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 Okay, I feel like that's a pretty good name. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I feel yeah. like it's maybe less than last week. Oh, well, last week I did it so hard, I was dizzy for, like, the rest of the episode. Yeah. 
But also we were drinking a lot of Corona. Yeah, familiar. So, number one. In first gear, which is not the fastest. <laughs> well, the most torque, surely. The, the most, most power output. And that goes with the movie. It's Fast Five. Okay, so finally we agree. We agree. Finally this is... we... Wait, hold on, Henry. We're shaking We're shaking hands. hands because finally we have a movie in the same spot on the tier list. We had a few last week. Shit. But this is this is the crown jewel so far of the fuck you. This is like the Avengers one. Yeah. Of this franchise. You yes. know, everything's coming together. All of these characters. It, it's and every moment you're not thinking like what's bad. That mm-hmm. comes in the post-reflection. You're just focused on, like, that, the latter half of your notes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they're doing it. This is great. <laughs> Excuse me. It's Corona time. Number two. And I might have elevated this. I might have to go back and listen. Number two, I think, is The Fast and the Furious. Okay. Because, like, it, it's kind of like graduating college and looking back at your high school years. Mm-hmm. You were an idiot. Yeah. You didn't know what you were doing. Everyone wore really big t-shirts. And had horrible hair. Yeah. But you could see little seeds. Mm-hmm. Or like the, the ground, the dirt. And like you can see hints of where one day you will be. Yes. And so I want to pay homage to that. And that's why it's second. I almost want to go back and watch The Fast and the Furious at this point. I which I shan't. I feel like maybe... We're not going to do a supplemental reading. Of, no. Uh, maybe, yeah. maybe we do. But no. We, <laughs> hold on. Wait. I, hold we make on. a lot of promises on this podcast. We will not. <laughs> no, but maybe after we, we watch the last movie. Maybe after we watch all eight, we will do a retrospective. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Not promising. I have a problem with committing to things I regret on this podcast. Number three, I think, is Fast and Furious. Absolutely disagreed. Now I I know that we have two fast... Okay, wait. I'll save my judgments. Hold on. Hold on. Jesus Christ. I just get very invested. You're super... You're jumping me. Okay. You know, I I didn't say anything during your wrong list. I'm just saying. All right. So number three is uh, Fast and Furious because... (sighs) it, It... Yes, that's where it is. Okay. <laughs> Number four is Los Bandoleros, which I believe is the same place hey, where the tears. the same place. Wait, because it still has a handshake. This is where we learn about some of the characters. We, 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 I mean, come on. Now that we see, like, oh, there are going to be more movies, I'm, I'm respecting Los Bandoleros more. Yes. Number five, and I want a drum roll. <laughs> The supercharged pre-sequel to Too Fast, Too Furious. Wait, one of the greatest. What's up? There are a lot of other movies. Are there? This is five? Yeah. So you've done five, one, Oh, uh, I four. forgot Tokyo Drift. <laughs> you forgot Tokyo Number five Drift. is Tokyo Drift. I was like, uh, even for a bit, we can't put the turbocharged prequel over Tokyo Drift. Number five is Tokyo Drift, okay. which, if Sean Boswell ever comes back to the series, I will regret making <laughs> any other statement. Yes. Because he's... If they brought all the people back, he's coming back. He's, the, know it. he's the seeds of a darker flower. Alright. Number six is... I already ruined the bit. Yeah. I already ruined the goddamn... It's not you could have just sold it even, and then ranked it's Tokyo not Drift even below. even going to be fucking satisfying at this point. You just go ahead and get it out. 
The Supercharged uh, Peace yeah. sequel to Too Fast, Too Furious, because it's the greatest music video of all time. Uh-huh. I and need a so car much, to circuit car. So much better than fucking the goddamn piece of human collective scum <laughs> that is number seven. Yes. Too Fast, Too Snooze Fest. I have uh, something to say about that. I thought you might rank that last. Uh, I actually have something that I'd like to admit. What's up? Slowly over time, uh, your judgment at ranking too fast, I believe, is not unsound. The farther away we get from too fast, I realize that it is not indicative of the series as a whole, but it is still the second best movie ever made. You're doing the worst thing that you could possibly do, and you're leaning into the bullying that I'm doing, and, and, and now you're taking the fun out of it. So you know what? Expect a surprise <laughs> next week, you piece of human garbage. Okay, fine. You're not a piece of human garbage. Nah. Your ideas and opinions. <laughs> My ideas are, a are piece that of garbage. Of I will agree with that. Garbage. And now we come to a little segment that we had been doing that I don't know is if it's warranted anymore. I we I usually ask, who do you want to come back? Now here's the thing, Henry. What's up? There's still some people who could come back. So so are we going to not t- like? Are we going to take it as a given that the people we saw in this movie are going to come back? Yes. So every not necessarily not we're not we're not ruling out anyone who was in this movie. I think that anyone who was in a previous movie and brought back for this movie now has like a crown of godhood and they will most likely continue to exist because at this point the jig is up. We know these movies are about characters, and they've realized that. It would be ridiculous for me to say, oh, I hope Han or Tyrese comes back, because they know that that's what gets asses in seats. And we already saw them come back, so those are a given. We even saw Eva Mendez come back. Yes. And I want to say she's going to play a bigger role in the next movie. And also it would be silly to say, I hope The Rock comes back. Well, Let's yeah, no, be honest. Honestly, like, you need that, that, op- that opposition. And we know he's coming back. Yeah. He's all... I mean... I've never watched a trailer for any Fast and Furious movie, but I know The Rock continues to be in it. Let's not kid ourselves. I don't know. I'm, I know. I He's don't know. He's fucking gotta be. I don't know. He's gotta be. I mean, he's leagues away from Scorpion King, but it, maybe he's gonna outgrow <laughs> the franchise. Maybe. All I know is, so that just leaves about one movie of characters? Yes. Tokyo Drift. Shit. Right? Who else could come back, potentially? We saw Muscles come back. We did see Muscles. Muscles had a cohort. Muscles did have a cohort. I don't know his name. Don't know his name. Muscles, too. Lance? Maybe. His name's Vince, so I think it might be a little bit on the nose if his buddy's name is Lance. Well, maybe I'm just thinking of Vince. Muscles had a, had a, had a friend who might come back. He might come back. Jesse might have lived... Jesse might have lived. He didn't live. He, he died. Did he died on screen. He He'd be the tech guy if they brought him back. Yeah, honestly, you're right. <laughs> Tedge fucking came out of nowhere. Okay, so here's who I want to see come back. There's other people. Number one, Slapjack. Slapjack, the racer from yeah, brings, Too Fast, Too Furious. Bring Slapjack back. All right. Uh, bring Bow Wow back. Bow Wow, who, I f- whose name is Twinkie. I feel like Bow Wow is... A long shot, but has some chance of returning. He was he was one of the most enjoyable characters from that movie. He was. Now, I will say a character that I know almost certainly comes back, but I do not wish to come back is Sean Boswell. I kind of... Look. I kind of want him to come back. 
Because he had one chance. And I know Eminem says you got one shot. Yes. But I feel like giving Sean Boswell another chance, maybe when he comes back, under a different writer, mm-hmm. Chris Morgan. Yes. Because we actually flourish. We actually do have one more Justin Lin, Chris Morgan movie. That is the last one. That's it? No! After that, it changes. Justin, Justin Chris, Lin directs through Fast 6. I actually... I think Chris Morgan remains. I, I was about to say, I actually know for a fact, Chris Morgan is the writer through 10. Okay, and so... 10 hasn't happened yet. And I like the writing, so that's good. So we're going to have a different director after different 6. Different director after that's 6. That's super interesting, and I can't wait for that comparison. Yeah, because at this point we've been sitting in Justin Lin so long, we can probably do like a pretty significant style comparison. Maybe after the next one. Because we do know what Justin Lin loves. Uh, low angle shots of girls walking away from cameras. Nailed it. Uh, we will talk about that on 7, though. Uh, also, I did want to talk about this. We're going to talk bit. about girls, low <laughs> angles of girls walking away from cameras? No, we'll talk about what Justin Lin loves. Oh. Uh, also, so fucking ballsy. Uh, Fast Five, and I looked forward at the next titles. It's really cool that you can have a series of sequels that have no discernible naming convention. Yeah, I mean, if just just so far, the Fast and the Furious, too fast, too furious. What they did was they fucked it up. The Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift, Fast and Furious, Fast Five, Fast Five, and then Fast and Furious Six. So they added... The Furious is back. It's Fast and Furious 6, and then Furious 7. How? And then Fate of the Furious. No, no, no. How is it Furious 7? (laughs) It's Furious 7. You gotta be fucking joking. There is no discernible naming convention. I know what happened. Too Fast, Too Furious came out, and they had to name the third one, and they went... Fuck. <laughs> three we fast, really, we three. really fucked it up by not naming the second one The Fast and the Furious 2. The Scorpion King. <laughs> I mean, early 2000s is the Wild West of naming conventions. It really was. I can't wait to find out what the ninth one's going to be called. So you want Sean Boswell to come back. I want him to get another shot because if he... Look, my mom always told me... If a guy treats you wrong, always give him another shot. Because, you know, he might not beat you the second time. Uh, wow. My mom, mom? My mom never said that. And okay. also, I've never dated a guy. That's... <laughs> Cheers. Uh, so I think... Here's a real hope for me. And they're probably going to come back. Nadine. Not, not Italia. Naughty daddy daddy you. <laughs> Yes, I hope she comes back, but you almost... She's like British. You pretty much ruined that she's coming back. Oh, Neela! Who did you think I was saying? The, um, the smiley beat cop. Oh, no, I I mean, not her. Her name is Elena. Oh, I thought you were mispronouncing it. Neela's not coming back. (laughs) You know who I really... (laughs) You thought I was mispronouncing Elena. So So we started with an N? We know for a fact. I'm drunk. We know for a stone-cold fact. That Tokyo Drift takes place in the future. I don't know at what point it takes place in the future. I want Han and Gal Gadot, Giselle, I'm sorry, to Gazelle. come back. Gazelle. Like a you deer. Want, you want the, that pairing to come back? You know, they kind of developed into an on-screen relationship. Mm-hmm. Would be nice to see where that goes. Where I does just that want, take us? I just want to see both of them back because they're my favorite characters. Other than Tyrese, who I know is coming back because he has to. I mean, Gal Gadot hasn't exploded onto the scene quite yet. She hasn't uh, got that Wonder Woman money. So she, you know. And if, the, look, to be, to, to be honest, if we already know there's a six movie, 
A six smoothie. Yes, if we know there's a six smoothie. There is a six smoothie at the end of these. Wait, promise right now on the podcast. And then at the end, we'll drink six smoothies. No! That's too much milk. No, just six smoothies, not oh, six smoothies. Okay, six. If we already know that they're, they're contractually obligated to give us another movie... They're going to bring back all of the same characters. Yeah. We're going to see Han and Godot. There aren't going to be any I'll surprises. make that promise now to you on air. You know who I want to see come back? Vince. He already came back once. Vince died, John. Okay. That's Can- fucking wrong. Can- I want to see Vince come back. No, he's dead. I want to see Johnny Tran come back. No, he's also... Every, every person who's died canonically in these yes, movies. Every dead person <gasps> comes back. You know who needs to come back? Who? Carter. Carter Verone? Carter Verone. He said he was going to get out of prison. Oh, shit. And then he and was going to go kill after Tyrese. Go after Tyrese. That's going to be Fast oh Six. Oh, my God. Fast. Well, Letty's going to be involved. But yeah. <laughs> Letty, the first 12 minutes, Letty is just killing Carter Verone. That and would then, be sad. That would be sad. Because then it would rob us of the thrilling experience <laughs> of Tyrese. It would. It would rob us of the. The fantastic on-screen energy of whoever the fuck played Carter Verone. Yeah, his name was Connie Hammingham. <laughs> Connie Hamming, Connie Hammingham. Hamington. Uh, yeah, this, I, this is a long episode. The last one was two. Yeah. This one's gonna go up on the new month. Yeah, new month. So, <laughs> September might be fucked, but who cares? Yeah. I feel like it's time to wrap up this episode... Final nail with a gun. Yes, final nail gun. Fast Five is super enjoyable, and if you've been listening to these as we've been presenting them as a joke, I can say for both of us, we heartedly and wholeheartedly... Yes, not just heartedly. Recommend Fast Five. No, Fast Five is the only movie I feel bad spoiling because it is a movie that I would recommend any of my friends see for everything involved. It's really good. It's really fun. Yes. Fun above all else. And not like turn off your brain fun, but like keep your brain engaged fun. Yeah. Keep that brain on. Keep that brain on and get your game on because it's time for the social media plugs. And this week you get me after three Coronas, which hit me harder than I thought. (laughs) But let's give this a shot. Have you had dinner? Yeah, I ate. Oh. Right before, so it didn't have time to digest. I don't know if that counts. I drank 750 milliliters of soy milk before I came here to give myself a nice baseline. That's a bad base. It's all liquid. Eh. And if you're all liquid, you need to contact us on social medias, like Twitter.com. You can reach us at ZCPCWHJ on Twitter.com. And that stands for, John? It stands for Zykes. Christ, put cars with Happy James. Good job. You did that even though I threw you off with wrong letters, which I didn't realize were wrong at the time. So send us a tweet. Send us your sweets, which means words, I guess. Send us your sweet words. And a shout out to our good fan, Eric, who's been engaging us and pointed out that Brian O'Connor is not a full fallen paladin, 
but maybe he multiclassed and took a few rogue levels as well, because he is kind of charismatic, and he does have a lot of thievery under his belt. And, you know, I thought that going off of that, I thought that I would also like to throw out one of the classes of a character that we've seen since the beginning, Dominic Toretto, who we all know is a level 20 American pump dragon. <laughs> a, level American, a level 20 American pump dragon, which, as we all know, the funnest class to play. And if you have more recommendations for, like, what D&D classes these characters are, and you need a lot of space to justify them, because we all do, because this is an insane practice and everyone should do it, send us an email at zero credits is a podcast at gmail.com. That's zero credits is a podcast at gmail.com. I wanted to take that twice because I forgot the email when I was saying it. Uh, and you can also reach us on Facebook. You can search Zero Credits Podcast in the Facebook search bar. We need more followers so we can justify having it. You can also find us on iTunes where you absolutely should review us, rate us, leave comments, leave everything, and also then uninstall iTunes because nobody uses it, but uses it, use it to leave the review and then spew it away. Review and spew. And as always, I'm trying to get John to laugh, but he's on his freaking phone. And that's why I got to use my words of the mouth to get him to engage in this social media podcast plug. Just like you should use your words of the mouth to tell your friends about Zero Credits Podcast. And just say like, hey, this crazy podcast is watching all the Fast and Furious movies and then they're reviewing them. Doesn't that sound like fun? And then also say, like, hey, there was another podcast that did other dumb things, so this one's just in line with those dumb things, and it's worth listening to, because word of the mouth is the only way we can drive to the finish line, which I just reached with my mouth. You did it. That only took a really long time. Shut up. I am the best. So from everyone here at the Zero Credit Supplemental Reading Garage, I really don't remember how we end these, uh, I want to wish you a happy week. Yeah, that's typically how we end it. When are you going to give Martin Luther King his car back? As soon as you give... What, Jesse James his face? What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> he has a rebuttal, but I don't remember! Oh yeah, wait, hold on. Just give me the damn veggies, Henry. Let's not find out. <laughs>